How are we all doing? Good. Thank you, Mayor. I think my sermon just got 10 times cooler with this thing. So I hope you're ready. I can hit it. It's going to be awesome. Great to be here, eh? How cool is it to be in church? And um, thank you, Mayor and um, Pastor Dave, who's not here. Um, yeah. Haven't we got an awesome leadership team in this church and the wider leadership, those that are serving? People came and set up all of this stuff so that we could meet with God this morning. Um, and uh, so, yeah, encourage people. If, you, if you're not already involved and you think, I could help out, I could do something, man, there's a spot. Come and talk to somebody. There's always stuff that needs to be done, but we want to encourage and equip people that they would be able to walk out what God's placed on their life. So there's something... Maybe it's pre-service during the week, whatever. There's a role for everyone in this kingdom. You don't have to have a microphone and a wooden thing to make a difference in his kingdom. Cool? Hey, Petri, I just believe that God would, um, I was just praying just during worship, and I just believe that God would want to encourage you and say that, uh, that he's for you, not against you, that your best is yet to come. Uh, and you don't even know the extent of the good things that he's going to pour into your life. So uh, just be expectant of what he's going to do, man. So I don't know what that means for you, but I know that God's looking out for you, man. And so, yeah, be encouraged. Cool. Awesome. Fantastic. Hey, how good was the music team this morning? Christmas carols as well. Uh, my awesome wife leading worship this morning. Uh, what can I say? I'm blown away to be married to her. So uh, very cool. So. We're doing a new series. Uh, it's Christmas one. Uh, it's called Coming. And um, we've got four weeks to Christmas, I think. Uh, if you haven't marked it in your calendar, it's coming up on the 25th of um, December. So we're going to do four weeks. And the official term for it, I, I've been to church a while, but I didn't really know this is a thing. Apparently, um, it's called Advent. So some of you more spiritual people out there probably understand this a bit better. But there's four weeks, and we're going to hit four topics, um, one being hope, one peace, one joy, and one love. So it's going to be a cool four weeks. So I encourage you to get here and, man, just get some fire in you for what the Christmas season's about. So it's going to be very cool. This morning, I got the topic of hope, uh, which is an honor. And, um, yeah, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool this morning. I hope that you're expectant, because without hope, uh, you know, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And, you know, hope's such a, um, you know, it's a term we struggle to grapple of how to get it sometimes. But the reason why there's so much hurt, depression, you know, suicide rates are high in this country and all that stuff is because of a lack of hope. And so I'm expecting this morning that God's... Did I just get turned on? Were you... I just got louder. All right. Uh, should I start again? <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's going to be cool. We're going to dive right into it this morning. Um, so I've called this um, sermon, um, I put a hashtag in front of it, because if you put a hashtag, it makes it cooler. So it's hashtag hope in Jesus. I don't know why. I thought I feel cooler anyway. We're reading it. It says hashtag. Um, so I'm going to pray. Father, help me. Uh, amen. Uh, no, help, I pray that this morning that your words would be um, coming through me and that uh, all of us would receive something from you this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Are we awake this morning? Cool. Fantastic. Hashtag hope in Jesus. Four things I want to bring out this morning. First one is, if you're taking notes, hashtag Jesus the rescuer. We'll get into what that means in a minute. <clears throat> so I don't know what your 
experience of Christmas is, but growing up, my experience of Christmas was mainly, if I sum it into one thing, it was pretty much road trips. So, so our family was big on going, driving all day, just driving somewhere to get somewhere all day. Like we drive to Nelson and we drive all day. And uh, I don't know what it is for you, but there's something about a summer road trip uh, as a family. Um, there's, um, you know, when you're a kid, there's all sorts of games you can fill that eight to ten hours in with, like the dolphin out the window. Does anyone do that? Is that just me? Dolphin out the window. Uh, there's the full head out the window. Uh, chucking apple cores off the bridges. You got to time it just right and hit, you know, allow for all the wind and stuff. Chuck the apple core off the bridge. Holding your breath over the bridges. Who's managed to do Rakai Bridge before? Who didn't? Yeah, you're still alive. Car cricket's a classic Kiwi one. I can tell you how the rules out the back if, at the end if you like. You can play it on the way home. Might be a short 2020 cricket game. Beeping, my dad's here today. Oh, I just want to honor my mum and dad. They're here. Awesome to have you here. Um, dad had a classic one that we'd see a full paddock of sheep and he'd start at the start of the paddock and hold the horn down and then we just hold the horn down for that whole paddock as they gradually ran away. Uh, and then as our family road trips progressed, we'd, we'd get to a big city. Sometimes, most of the time, the one that I think of is Christchurch. And this was in the day before maps, uh, so before GPS, there were maps. So I've got some memories of mum and dad busting out a map. And they, they always make these maps of cities so big that they can hardly fit in the front seat of the car. Like, they're too, it folds out into about a window screen worth of a map. And so mum and dad would kind of try and work out where we were. And we sitting in the back knew very quick that we were lost in Christchurch City. Uh, GPS is a good thing. Uh, Ellie and I got lost in Christchurch one time, actually. I didn't even ask to tell this story or not, but I'm going to tell it anyway. It was, um, for whatever reason, we didn't have GPS, and we were semi-newly married and in Christchurch, and it was dark. Your only point of reference in Christchurch was the Port Hills, and that's the daytime, so we couldn't see those. Uh, let's just say we got lost once, and I've made sure that it was only once, um, because anyone who's been lost knows that the conversation usually goes something like this. So, um, do we know where we are? Now, I'm not saying who's who in the story. You might be able to understand who is who. So, do you, do you think we know where we are? Yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah. We know. No, it should be just around just around here somewhere. I think. Oh, this kind of looks familiar. Okay, um, five minutes. I don't know if we know where we're going. It's getting late. We've got somewhere to be. Yeah, no, no. It's and uh, see the person who may I cannot confirm or deny who was driving and who was in denial. But the, the conv- that person, whoever it is, and when you think about it in your life, there's a certain level of hope sits inside that person that, no, no, it's going to be okay. We're, we're going to find where we're going to get to go. We're going to find our destination. But the other person in this conversation, again, I'm not saying who it is, and, and it could be either way. Slowly after conversation, hope starts to erode in the driver, right? And you slowly, you're, you're slowly keeping a brave face, but something's cracking within. And time goes on, and slowly and slowly, I started 
to uh, get desperate. And I was thinking about this. See, see, life is kind of like a massive car trip. We get the keys to life, and we get in the car and we go. And over time, I don't know about you, but I started to realize in my life that I was lost in areas. I maintained a front, and I still maintain fronts in areas in my life where I've got it all together and I know where I'm going and the destination is going to work out. But over time, hope starts to erode within you, and you start to realize that you don't have life all figured out. That the destination that you thought you were trying to get to is actually more difficult to find and achieve on your own. See, the thing is that we think we can find our way, and we hope in ourselves that we can make it. But if you're in that, if you've been lost and you're in a car, the quicker that the driver realizes that they're lost, the quicker that they're going to get to their destination. Yeah, anyone else? Is this just me? Has no one else been out there off the grid before and getting lost? So the quicker that we can uh, ask for help, might be some Joe Bloggs on the street and say, where am I? The quicker this whole thing's going to end. But if we maintain hope in ourselves... We're just going around in circles. We better crank some Bible because I think some of you just think I'm going to take jokes. Um, So we're going to slide up here. Um, We're going to turn in our Bibles about 200, sorry, uh, 2,018 years ago. So just flick back. No one has Bibles these days. Get out your phone if you'd like to. Uh, The Bible's on there. And uh, Luke Luke, Luke 2.11. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born to you. See, there's different different types of being lost. We um, just actually recently, we had uh, a, a friend call up uh, and say, hi, my husband's lost in the hills uh, out the back of Waimati. And um, he's a runner, he's a trail runner, uh, and I'm a trail runner, so this lady thought that I might be able to somehow miraculously save him. Um, New Zealand's a big place. There's a lot of hills. So we worked through with this person. And see, he, he was he able to have, he had cell phone reception. So he was able to realize he was lost and phone in and say, hey, I'm lost. See, that, and with being, about, with being lost, there's no levels of lostness. You're either lost or you're not. In life, we can sometimes think, oh, I don't, maybe I don't need rescue. I can tell you from my own life that Jesus has rescued me. And the reason that he's rescued me is because I allowed myself to be rescued. That I said, hey, Jesus, I need you. See, I went to university um, and, uh, and my life fell off the rails. I got involved in the, the clubbing scene and, and, and all that stuff. And the reason what Jesus has placed me where he is today is because I was standing in a church service and I was just being open to God. What about you? What about your life? Where are the areas in your life where there's a, oh, I'm, I'm kind of lost. I can kind of make this. I kind of only maybe need a rescue. Man, just pick up the phone and call Jesus and be like, man, I need rescue. I need you to pluck me out of this situation for he is faithful. When we cry out to him, he draws near to us. And uh, he is such a good God that he came to earth to rescue us. The thing is, sometimes when you think you're not lost is when you really are. So number one, hashtag Jesus is our rescuer. Number two, 
Hashtag Jesus. <laughs> My wife's embarrassed. <laughs> Husband's trying to be cool. <laughs> Hashtag Jesus the light. Matthew 4.16, we've got a scripture up on the screen. Uh, that should say, I don't know if it's, yeah, no, it's come up right there. I've got a typo. You who spend your days shrouded in darkness can now say we have seen a brilliant light. And those who live in the dark shadow land of death can now say the dawning light is rising on us. See, another way that hope can kind of erode in our lives or um, not find its place in our hearts is when we're in darkness, that an area of our life hasn't been exposed to the light of Jesus. And um, I've, got an, I've got an illustration, actually. If we got the next slide there, that's a, uh, it should be a, a blank white one. Have we still got that? Right, so this is kind of what, um, this is kind of what happens here. Can you guys see that? I've got another one. Oh, that one doesn't really look like anything. We'll go with this one. See, the thing is with, with, with darkness, and we know this illustration, it looks massive, right? But when, when the light comes, we realize how small something really is. See, the problem is that with hope, hope gets a road when we place our problems and, and they're in the dark and they seem massive, how can I get through this? How can my work situation improve? How can my relationships improve? How can my personal character issues that I've been battling with for years improve? They're massive. But then when we bring it into the light of what Jesus did, he said he is a brilliant light. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the light of the world. And the thing is, when we turn the torch on, when we turn the light on, it's like there's a wee mouse in the corner, and it was just a big shadow. And we realized the things that we worried about were actually really small in comparison. I heard it said that it's impossible, it's impossible, get this, it's impossible in the light of God's goodness and massive nature and character and He created the whole world, it's impossible to make Satan small enough compared to the light of Jesus Christ. He turns on the light, He brings hope into our eyes. See, I don't know about you guys, but in my life, when Jesus came into my life, it was kind of like, I remember one, I was walking along just a big field of grass, and the grass was just greener. It's weird. I was like, this is amazing. The, the, I've never seen the grass this green. It sounds cheesy, sort of Ned Flanders example. Uh, but the, the thing is, it's like the light bulb went on inside your body, inside your mind, that life is Amazing. Jesus brought life. I wonder if anybody else has had a similar experience where Jesus has turned on the light in their eyes. Hopes erupted that, man, there's going to be good stuff coming my way because Jesus Christ has come into the world to set me free. Cool? Awesome. So how do we, how do we turn on the light? I mean, the, the, uh, we've got a Psalm 119. 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. God's word illuminates stuff in our life. When we read his word, we read hope. We read something of him and his promise and his purpose for our life. And when that happens, it's kind of like the sun comes out after a, um, 
after a two-week patch of rain that we've had, and you kind of realized it was a bit darker inside, and then the sun streams in, and man, there's a lot of cobwebs in the ceiling or in the corners of my house. How did they get there? And we can dust those out and we can start to open the doors and the windows of our life and walk out into the light and the sunshine. And it's kind of like, again, the grass is greener in our life. And it's because His Word has been poured into our hearts. Your Word is a lamp for my feet and a light for our path. See, the Bible also talks about how that the Word of God is, is Jesus. And I don't know how that works. It's a bit, uh, But um, I know that Jesus brings life. And when I read his word, he comes alive in my life and, um, and light comes. So what about you? Where this week can you turn on the light in your life and allow his hope to erupt into your heart again? Where this week has there been times where we've just thought, ah, these cobwebs are here, or maybe you don't even realize there's cobwebs in areas of your heart. But I just want to believe, and I, I just believe that this morning, he wants to turn on the light. It's not about turning on the light to shame and expose, but as you turn on the light in your life, your problems become small. You realize they're a teddy bear, and that compared to his glorious grace and light. Amen? Awesome. Cool. Hashtag, Jesus is our hope. Hashtag, he's the rescuer. Number two, hashtag, oh, Number two, let's just drop the hashtag. Number two was Jesus is there. Yeah, cool. All right, sweet. Number three, Jesus is coming again. This one I love because when our current situation doesn't stack up to what I've just been talking about, there's a future hope for us. See, you might be in a place, sitting in your seat this morning thinking, man, I've been a Christian for a while and I don't really see hope. Uh, I don't see how, you know, I want to see how he can bring freedom, He's how he's my rescuer, how he is my light, but I can't right now. You might not know him and you're like, well, those things don't really mean anything either. But I just want to declare this morning that Jesus is coming again, that there's a hope for a future beyond this world. I'm going to read something out. It's uh, a scripture. There's no slide for this one. But I just hope that it will inspire you to remember that no matter what you're going through now, there's a f- that there are others going through stuff and that there are, there's a reward waiting for you that's past this uh, 90 odd years that you have on this earth. It says in Hebrews, yet it was by faith that enabled others to endure great atrocities. They were stretched out on the wheel and tortured. They didn't deny their faith in order to be freed because they longed for a more honorable and glorious resurrection. Others were mocked and experienced the most severe beating with whips. They were killed, sorry, they were in chains and imprisoned. Some of these faith champions were brutally killed by stoning, being sawn in two or slaughtered by the sword. These lived in faith and they went about wearing goats skins and sheepskins for clothing. They lost everything they possessed. They endured great afflictions. They were cruelly mistreated. They wandered the earth living in desert wilderness, in caves, on barren mountains and holes in the earth. Truly, get this, the world was not even worthy of them, not realizing who they were. They were true heroes commended for their faith. And get this, yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised to them. How cool is that? See, no matter what you're going through this morning, whether it be in your workplace, in your schoolyard, in your friendship circles, 
there is, if it is rough, if life, when life throws its rough days at you, its rough months at you, there's a hope beyond this place that Jesus wants to remind us that he is coming again, that he is coming in. Just as like Christmas is coming in four weeks, right? And we're all like, ah, oh, sweet. In four weeks' time, this is, the conversations have started, right? What are you doing at Christmas? Are you cool? It's like the classic go-to line at this time of year. You ask people, right? And just as we think, in four weeks' time, I'm going to be at a certain place, and that's where I'm going to be. Just because there's a longer passage of time until we enter eternity doesn't mean it's any less real and any less you going to be there with him, yeah? So let's just be filled with hope this morning that in a short while, life's gone like that. We enter in to be with Jesus. So this morning, I just want to encourage you, and I believe that God wants to encourage you. If you don't see him as, if you're struggling to see him as your rescuer today, if you're struggling to see him as someone that turns on the light and brings hope into your heart, then hope for what's to come because he's coming for you. He's coming for every one of us who place our faith in Jesus Christ and say, we need rescue. We need you, Jesus. He will rescue us. Amen. Awesome. Are we still going? How are we going? We're still awake this morning. Good stuff. Awesome. And the last point, which I've got this morning. So we've got number one, the rescuer. Number two, the light. Number three, coming again. And number four, our freedom. I'm going to read another scripture out to introduce this point. And I've read it before, actually. Last time I preached, I think I might have read some of this passage out. But it's resonating, and I believe that God wants to remind us again, because there's incredible freedom in these words. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. so, um, And it's in John 8, 3 to 11, if you're taking notes says this. This is so this is Jesus. He's uh he's teaching to some some people and um and then this these group of another group of people bust into the situation. It says, Then in the middle of his teaching, the religious scholars and the Pharisees, who are like the um the religious folk, uh broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery and made her stand in the middle of everyone. Then they said to Jesus, Teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone her to death? Stone to death a woman like this. Tell us, what do you say, Jesus? What do you say, sorry, that we should do with her? They were only testing Jesus because of the hope. They hoped to trap him in his own words and accuse him of breaking the laws of Moses. But Jesus didn't answer them. Instead, he simply bent down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Angry, they kept insisting, so he answered their question. So Jesus stood up and looked at them and said, Let have the man who has never had a simple desire throw the first stone at her. Then he bent over again and wrote some more words in the dust. Upon hearing that, her accusers slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, with the convicted conscience, until finally Jesus was alone with the woman still standing there in front of him. So he stood back up and said to her, Dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. Jesus said, I, then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go, and from now on, be free from a life of sin. <laughs> I wonder what it would be like, to, I just want to break this down. I wonder what it would be like to be standing there and, and as this woman gets brought before Jesus. 
Here's a woman who's been dragged before a crowd of people like us. So someone grabbed her up on the front and said, look at this woman. We caught her in adultery, the very act of adultery. What do you say we should do, Jesus? Jesus bends down and he writes in the dust with his finger. So he's, he's pretty much ignoring them at this point. See, this woman, though, is standing there with no hope for her future. She's just been dragged in front of a crowd, and she knows probably the rules of the day, which was that she was to be stoned for what she had, had done. There's a whole heap of people already standing and forming, grabbing stones, ready to launch, waiting for Jesus' word. <laughs> See, sometimes I think we can be those people with rocks in our hands. Maybe it's the person at work that you kind of don't really like. Maybe it's the preacher that you don't like. <laughs> Put your rocks away. <laughs> Maybe it's someone who did something to you that it's just, uh, they should be punished for that. But if we're really honest, we're actually the woman in the story. I'm this woman, you're this woman, that we come before Jesus and that we come before people and we deserve rocks thrown at us. Our hope is gone, that we... St- we're down in the dust. I imagine this woman sitting on the floor, completely hopeless for a future. There's no ray of hope until her eyes met Jesus. I believe that. Just stare into the eyes of your Savior. She would have found something completely unexpected. Compassion. Grace. I've heard it said that Jesus' posture Reflects the heart of God in the situation. So Jesus is down in the dirt. All these religious people standing so high and so tall. And I'm sometimes one of those religious people who stand so high and so tall around the problem, around who needs to be judged. But Jesus is down in the dirt with people, not standing high. Are we a church that is down in the dirt with people? Or are we a church standing high and proud? See, the church needs to be a group of people that is down in the dirt and the muck of life, offering grace, offering hope, because that's what Jesus did to me. I've got areas in my life that I'm still not proud of, that I'm still struggle with. I'm not perfect, but I look into the eyes of the one who is and find grace and hope and compassion. And I come to Christmas every year and I think, man, on one sense it's commercialized. On the other sense it's about the one who's the king of all kings who came to us, who's coming again and offers grace and forgiveness. Our God is a God of hope. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and free, be free from your life of sin. Just in closing, Again, life is like a car journey. We're, we're, on, we're, we're on the journey of you. Have you just begun the keys? Maybe, maybe you're young, you're still at school, you're at study, and you're thinking, man, this is going to be an amazing journey. I'm going to see some awesome scenery. And you are going to see some awesome mountains, some scenery, and some great things that's got to pour into your life. Maybe you're in a place at the moment where you're driving through it valley that there's a storm brewing up ahead that you you're struggling to think man 
how am I going to, I'm going to drive into something. I can see it approaching, you know, that the dark clouds are looming over your life. Maybe something's really out there in life and, and it's really messed up. The other week we saw a tornado. And I'm just, that was real. We saw the one north of Ashburton. And there'll be times in life where stuff completely blindsides us. If you're in a good place, a rough place, or a really rough place this morning, I just believe that God wants to do something this morning. Let's bring up hope in our life. This morning, He wants to do that. It doesn't need to be tomorrow. It can be this morning. One, pre- one moment in His presence can change everything, your whole journey on life. Would everyone just stand with me this morning as we look to close? See, Jesus is the one who rescues. He's the one who gives life. He's the one who gives freedom. He's coming again for us. The same Jesus who walked the earth 2018 years ago, who came for us, is here right now in this room. He's asking the same question. He's on the end of the line. He's waiting for a rescue call. He's waiting for a, maybe you already know Jesus, but there's areas of all of our lives where we can, hey, I need more help from you, Jesus. I need more hope in that area for my situation. Maybe you don't know Jesus. He's waiting for a call from you. He doesn't judge. He's not. The world says that religion stands with staunch arms and looks down. The world's view on the church is that the church stands with tall arms and looks down. But Jesus is down in the dirt where you are at right now, where I am at right now. He's the great leveler. There's no levels of lostness. You're either lost or you're not. We're all in the same boat. I'm the same as that woman. I'm lost in areas of my life, but Jesus has found me. If that's you this morning, if you just want something more of God, I just believe if you just want to close your eyes and lift your hands, I'm going to pray in a moment because the same Jesus is here in this room by His Spirit. It's wacky, man. It's wacky as. You think, how does this work? Jesus was a guy 2018 years ago. See, the thing is, He didn't just come for us and die. He rose again. And and by His Spirit, He is here. He's just waiting on a heart. I can't explain how it happens in my life. I can't explain how it's happened in yours. You just can't explain how good something tastes to someone. They just got to taste it. You can't explain it. It's faith. So just I'm going to pray. If you just want more of Him, if you want to say, hey, God, I need more hope in my life this coming season as it will lead up to Christmas and into the new year. I don't want something out of superficial. I want you. Just raise your hands. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you send your son Jesus for us. I thank you that we were like the woman that was dragged before, guilty. No no way to get out of our situation. All hope was gone until you stepped into the situation. You stepped on the stage, God. And so, Jesus, we just come to you this morning and say, give us hope where there is none in our lives. Give us hope, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, that the way the righteous gets brighter and brighter, that things of you are only going to get better, Lord. 
that our lives are only going to get better because you're in them. We thank you, Jesus. I just wonder if you keep your eyes closed for a moment. There's a sick group of people that I would like to talk to this morning. See, the thing is with, car, with our life is like a journey. It's like a, being in a car, right? As I said a number of times. But the thing is with the car in our life, it's like the fuel gauge is broken. And you're like, what has that got to do with anything? See, the thing is, as we stand in and we have a look at our lives today, we can sometimes think, oh, I want to sort that thing out tomorrow. I want to give God a chance tomorrow. Maybe I'll just work through some things. Maybe I'll prove myself a wee bit better. Maybe I'll get a better, you know, handle on my bad habits or my addictions or my language. Or maybe to fit in, I need to sort this out first. But the thing is, your fuel gauge is broken on your car that you're traveling in called your life. You don't know when you're going to run out of gas. You don't know when the end of your life is up. And I'm not trying to press you into something this morning because God is the author of salvation. He's the one who saves us. My words don't save anyone. Jesus saves. But I just want to remind you this morning, and with every eye closed, that Jesus is calling you right now. Don't let it, your faith rest on how much fuel's in your own tank of gas, because you're not sure. But Jesus wants to take the wheel in your life and bring hope to drive you into green fields and green pastures. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something really simple and just to say yes to Jesus and just to say man Jesus I don't know everything about you but I just want to give you a chance in my life I just want to know if you're real I want you to know your hope and your love that this guy at the front's talking about if that's you this morning it's real easy I'm going to pray a prayer in a minute and then you can pray a line after me we're all going to do it together but if you want to do that for the first time in your heart, then you can do that. Or if you've done it before, but you feel like you've been walking away from Him, that you've taken the steering wheel back in your own hands, then you can pray this from my heart as well. So I'm going to pray a line, then everyone pray after me, everyone in the room, just to help the people who are praying this for the first time or a recommitment. Cool? Hey, Jesus. Nice and loud. Come on. Hey, Jesus. I thank you that you came for me. I thank you for your love. I don't deserve it. But you didn't deserve to die for me. And you chose to do it anyway. Today, I open my heart to you. I say, come and live with me. I give you my life. And I say, show yourself to me. Thank you for your forgiveness and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. And everyone said, amen. Hey, if that was you for the first time, just everyone keep their eyes closed just quickly. If you could close your eyes again. If that was you and you prayed that for the first time or a recommitment, we just want to help you. We're just a group of friends who are doing life together. So if that was you for the first time, we're not going to get down the front or embarrass you. Everyone's got their eyes closed. Just so I know who prayed that prayer and someone will come and have a quick chat to you afterwards. Won't weed you out or anything. We're all friends, right? So if that was you, just quickly, on count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Just pop your hand up if that was you. Just looking around. I'll give you a moment. I didn't warn you. 
Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. We just thank you that you are our hope. And as a group of people, I pray that we would put hope into others, Lord, this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got work to do, church, this Christmas. Let's bring hope into people's lives. Let's get down in the dirt with people. Let's not stand up and get all religious about it all. But let's be real with people, eh? There's so many of us in the room who know that our lives have been changed by Jesus. May have said it earlier. I forget what you said. But those that are mildly not opposed to coming to church. How about we think about asking those people? Most people are actually mildly not opposed to coming to church. They just want someone they can trust and that isn't going to weird them out. So invite, let's get inviting this Christmas, eh? Awesome. Cool. Thanks, guys. Great word.